our series, We His Servants. We His Servants. And one of the truths that we established in this series is that God has redeemed us to serve Him. That the reason, one key reason why God saved you, one key reason why God redeemed you, one key reason why God delivered you was that you will serve Him. Now, we understood that God does not just want us to serve him. He wants us to serve him in an acceptable way. In other words, what God is saying is that your service is not just, it's not enough. There is a way that I have prescribed for you to serve me. And if you can understand that prescribed way, then you can serve me in a way that honors me, in a way that brings glory to my name. And so we learned that God wants us to serve him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness god wants us to say what without fear in holiness and in righteousness this means that god wants us to serve him boldly no matter the price it takes so god wants us to serve god in a god wants us to serve him in a way that that there'll be a price to pay some of you the price to pay will be your sleep but you've got to be ready to serve god boldly this morning, I was taking a prayer walk at dawn, and then I saw these two ladies in their uniforms, and I knew it wasn't work uniform, it's, it's like a choir uniform, at dawn, and they were sitting on a moto, and they were going, and then, then, then it just struck me that, wow, so people can actually leave that early and pay such a price to get to the house of the Lord because they have service to give to the Lord. And I was walking and I saw another lady, she was, you could see she was dressed, going to work. And it was at dawn. So to, and and you, you can imagine where they were walking, you, you should be afraid to walk at that time. But they said, Charlie, I'm going to the house of the Lord. And, and God wants us to serve him that way, without fear. There's a price to pay. Please turn to your neighbor and tell the person there's a price to pay. God wants us to serve him with a high level of consecration. And the consciousness of his presence. That God wants us to serve him by setting ourselves apart unto him. You have to learn to set yourself apart. It is not an easy thing. It's not an easy place to be. But you, you have to learn it. If you want God to work with you and God to work through you, you have to be consecrated unto him. You have to be set apart unto him. You have to pay the price of God even though I can live anyway, anyhow. No, I can't because of the work that you have given to me. Even though others are living the way they want to live, for me, Lord, because of this service, I can't just live anyway. And it has to come with a high level of consecration. You have to devote yourself so much to God and be so conscious of his presence that anything that is against his presence, anything that does not meet the presence of God, you have to put yourself away from it. And, and that means that sometimes even when you are going um, um, to work and then you, you are sitting in the trotter and they are playing all forms of music that do not honor God, that you learn that, hey, this thing, it, it is not matching with the presence of God. You, 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 you know, I was telling someone that you can be in the midst of people and still be alone. You can tune yourself away from all of that and tune yourself with the presence of God. That's, that's one of the things I used to do before I got a car. Sit in the car and, and in the public transport, I tune myself. So I'm with so many people, but I'm, I'm, I'm completely in a different zone. And it is, it is a way of saying that I want God to have his way through me so he can use me. 
You know, I wrote something earlier this week on, on, on social media that, that it is not so much about what God can do, it is about the space we give to him. If you can learn to give God more space, God can have his way and do much more through you. Too many of us have limited the space that we are giving to God. It's like, it's like a house and, then, and if, I, if I don't have so much closeness with you and you come to my house, the best place you can be is the hall. And, and, and no matter what, that's where you can be. I, I can't let you in my bed. If I let you in my bedroom, it means that you are too close and, and I can trust you to be there. Some of us, we've only limited, we've not even taken God to the hall. We've limited him to the porch of our houses. So God cannot have his way. God wants to work, but, but he's limited. He wants to invade certain corners and certain areas of your life, but you've kept him at only certain zones. He said, God, this is how far you can come. God says, well, I'm a gentleman. If this is how far I can come, this is only how far I can use you. But if you can let him in and give him more room, God says, I can use you much more than that. And the final thing we learned is that God wants us to serve him according to his will and standard for us, not our will or our terms. God does not want us to serve him according to our own terms. He wants us to serve him according to his terms. It has to be on his terms. It has to be according to his will. It has to be according to the way he wants, not the way you want. Too many of us are too engrossed with the way we want to serve God. Like, God, this is how I want to serve you. No, God says that I want you to do it this way. God, I will do it that way. I want you to go out and preach to people. Oh, but God, I still do it on social media. No, I want you to go out and speak to the people one on one. Oh, I want you to sing in my house. But God, I've been singing to you in my bathroom. God says, I want you to sing in the house. God has the terms and conditions. Have you, have you realized that the services that we enjoy, they say T and C applied or terms and conditions applied. No matter what, uh, uh, what they call a telecommunication network is doing, if they give you um, promos and everything, they always put terms and conditions applied because if they don't put a lawyer, Deborah is here, if they don't put terms and conditions applied, anyone at all can go to court and say that I did this and I didn't get it. But they have their terms and conditions. Can I tell you something? There are some things you can't go before God and claim when you don't go by the terms and conditions. Oh, some of you did not get that. You can't go before God and make some claims when you are not going by the terms and conditions. But today's Christianity will be made to think that God is a magician. So anytime you go to God, you can just claim anything and God will give it to you. He says, no, no, no. There are terms and what? Conditions. There are terms and conditions. Yesterday I was listening to one man of God and he said that God found David a long time ago. But at the time, God said, I have found my servant David. He had found a servant in David. That is why I said he's a man after my own heart. Because then it was not just a matter of finding the person. It's a matter of finding the servant. So now David is a servant. God says that this guy is a servant. I can use him. There are always what? Terms and conditions. If only you can let God have his way. So today, we want to consider something. Another important truth about our service to God. That the fact that God redeemed us to serve him, he also graced us to serve him. So God did not just redeem you to serve him. He what? He graced you to serve him. So you can serve him in an acceptable way. I preached a part of this um, two months ago, but I'm giving you the full dose today. So let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 12 verse 6 to 8. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 to 8. 
He says, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now look at the first line of that verse. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So, so from this first line, we realize that because of the grace that God has given to us, that grace has birthed out certain gifts in us. And because the grace has birthed certain gifts in us, it is expected that we will use those gifts. So look at it. This is how the equation is. God's grace is released into your life. The grace has produced gifts inside of you. Because the grace has produced gifts inside of you, it is expected that you will use those gifts to the glory of God. So can I ask you a question? Do you have gifts inside of you? Please turn to your neighbor and ask the person, do you have gifts inside of you? Please turn to another neighbor and ask the person, do you have gifts inside of you? Please get a response from the neighbor. Please get a response. Please get a response. Is there anyone here who does not have a gift inside of them? If you don't have them, then today we'll have a prayer meeting and begin to find out. Because once God's grace is released in your life, the grace bets our gifts. So can I tell you a very important statement? The presence of a gift in your life is an indication that God's grace is at work in your life. Please, you can write it down. The, the presence of a gift in your life it's an indication that God's grace is at work in your life. So you can't claim that God hasn't released grace into your life. There is grace. Now the word grace is from the Greek word charis, which refers to a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. It is actually God at work in your life that we see on the outside. God's grace is God at work in your life that we see what on the outside. So when I look at your beautiful life, I can see that grace is at work. That God is working. When I look at my sister Debbie, I know grace is at work. Because some years ago, she won't be standing here singing before the people of God and leading us in worship. But when I see her leading, I say, grace is at work. So the, 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 work, the word grace is actually divine influence. God working on your heart. Some of you, you were very quick-tempered, but now you look at yourself and like, hey, is this the same me? It is grace at work. Is grace at work. Some of you, at first, you only go to church when there is an occasion. Easter, Christmas, 31st, there may be your birthday. But now you find yourself running to church and you say, hey, is this me? It is actually grace at work in your life. In your life. In your life. Some of the guys, at first, if you see any lady pass, yay, your eyes would have to look twice. Then now you look there, they, they just pass by and you don't see anything again. It is grace at work in your life. It is called divine influence. In fact, the grace of God is God's favor that he extends to us out of his benevolence because he wants to accomplish a purpose in our lives. So grace is also God's favor at work in our lives. You realize that some of the things that are happening in your life is just because of grace. 
It's just because the favor of God is upon your life. Otherwise, you shouldn't be experiencing what you're experiencing. Otherwise, you shouldn't be having what you're having in your life. You just look at it and you say like this one, that is just God's grace at work in my life. Now, the Bible says that the grace has given birth to gifts. And the gifts in the, in the Greek word is the word charisma, which is a spiritual endowment. It is something that you receive not because you have worked for it. It is something that you receive because God says, I want to release into your life. How many of you have ever gone to buy a gift? And, and you, you, I mean, you bought the gift and you bought it for yourself. And like, this is my gift. No. Anytime you receive a gift, it's someone else who has what, released it into your life. When you buy it, you say, it is something I have bought for myself. It's a possession I have. But when it is given to you freely, without working for it, out of the benevolence of someone, it's what? It's called a gift. So God says that what he has released into our lives, you and I did not work for it. You and I did not do anything to have it. In fact, we wouldn't have merited it, but God said, I just released it into your life because I wanted to release it into your life. When I look at some of the things that God does to me, it's like this one, it's just God at work in my life. Just God releasing it into my life. Just God. Just God. When I can sit down and then I can type and then write a book and someone says it's taking them two years and they've still not been able to write, it's just gift. It's just God's gift at work in my life. It's not because I'm intelligent or I'm smart. It's because it's God. Even the intelligence and the smartness is because of God. It's gift that God releases. So there are three levels of gifts that God gives to us as believers. The first one is natural gifts. The second one is spiritual gifts. And the third one is ministry gifts. And I'm praying that if we're able to finish within time, today we'll pray one particular prayer about spiritual gifts. Amen. That God will open your eyes to so many things. Hallelujah. It's only my wife who said amen. God bless you. Amen. So let's look at the three levels of gifts. Natural gifts. When we talk about natural gifts, they are the abilities that God gave to you that, that you were born with. There are things that come naturally to you. But as you grow up, we begin to see those gifts at work. So gifts like singing, like dancing, like talking, like, like artistry, like acting. Like those of you who came for midweek service, you saw my drawing and you know that I don't have a natural gift for drawing. <laughs> that if I went for an art competition, whether it was thousand people or whatever, I might come, I will be part of the last. Like this student who went home and then took the report and then it was like, Daddy, I was 17. And then the father was like, 17? Well, that's good. You can do better. How many were you in the class? We're 18. <laughs> so, so, so the gifts, natural gifts are things that you don't struggle to do. They, they come naturally to you. There are some who can talk. They can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. It's, it's a natural ability. There are some who can sing. There are, there are some who can dance. Like, I won't enter into a dance competition ever in my life. No, it will be a disaster. <laughs> because, because I can't. Like, I'm trying. I can't. The other day, my daughter was dancing, and like, I looked at her and I was like, honey, why did you take this from your father? <laughs> and she was busy dancing. But like, you can see that we're off rhythm. We're like dancing. Like, but I, I was encouraging her, you are doing well, you are doing well. <laughs> 
But when it comes to talking, she can talk, she can talk from here to Cape Coast. Like we can, we, literally, I'm telling you, we can drive from here to Takradi. She can talk all the way till we get there. So she has the natural gift of talking. There are people who have different types of gifts. And you've got to be able to identify what God has placed inside of you naturally. That comes to you naturally. And in, in, with the natural gifts, you don't struggle. You don't try to be like another person. I mean, you, 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 it, it just comes to you. And you do it. But natural gifts are not just the talents we have in us. They are also material gifts that God gives to us and resources that God gives to us. Even if you had worked for some of them, they are still gifts that God gave to you and they are in the natural. So some of us, God has given us the gift to be able to make wealth. Like money just comes to your hand. You know there are people in life like that. Like they are just... And, and the funny thing is that some of them will say, I'm a self-made man. How can you be a self-made man? From the time they started cleaning your diaper till now, I mean, how could you be a self-made man? And so, natural gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? This is, what, this is what God is saying. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything you have, you received. You name one thing that you have that you did not receive. You tell, oh, Pastor Iman, I bought my dress. But you received the salary to buy the dress. Oh, Pastor Iman, I work for the salary. But you received the strength to work for the salary. Uh, I mean, if I want to go on and on, I can trace it back to the last thing that you realize that everything that you have, you received. Everything. There's absolutely nothing that you have that you do not receive. So, so the Bible is telling you that the natural gifts and the abilities that you have, God release them. Let's go to the second level. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are endowments that the believer receives when the Holy Spirit indwells them. When the Holy Spirit indwells them and they are activated when the believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. He makes you his abode. He makes your body his temple. And he comes to dwell inside. But you know the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit? When he's come to dwell inside of you, he doesn't just come empty. That's the thing about God. God does not come empty-handed. God is the kind of guest you want to have in your house. The kind of guest that, that is coming, and when he is coming, he comes with parcels. Just imagine someone who comes to visit you every time, and the person comes with parcels. You say, please, you stay in my house, right? I'll keep coming every day. Now, the Holy Spirit has made his residence in our hearts and in our lives. But when he was coming in to stay, he said, I'm not coming empty-handed. I'm bringing my package for you. And those are called spiritual gifts. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, which we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, these gifts are activated inside of you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 to 11. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. 
And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for, for the profit of all. So what he's saying about the spiritual gifts, which I'm going to talk about, is actually the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So when we see the gifts of the Spirit of God at work inside of you, we are actually seeing God manifesting himself. So look at this. He says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another designing of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. So in this passage, Paul actually lists to us about nine gifts, spiritual gifts, nine manifestations of the Spirit. He says to one, what? The word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is a supernatural ability that is given to someone to be able to tell an issue and give the solution to the issue. To be able to say that, ah, this, and then be able to say that this is what we have to do. And when we do it, it actually brings the, the, the solution. I mean, in the Old Testament, some of them operated in some of these gifts. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is resident inside of us, giving us these gifts. To another word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is a supernatural ability to be able to tell of what has happened in the past, what is happening in the present, what is happening in the future. And, and, and you know, when people get word of knowledge small, they call themselves prophets. No, having the gift of word of knowledge is not the same as being a prophet. The fact that I can tell you about your past, something that happened in your past, or tell you about what is happening presently, or even tell you about what is about to happen in the future, does not mean that I am a prophet. People of God, are we getting it? So, so the, when the gifts begin to work small, no, don't start giving yourself titles and say that I am prophet this, I am prophet. There are a lot of people who are not prophets and they are, they are misplaced because the prophetic ministry is different and I'll be talking about that. But I pray that God will give you the gift of the spirit, the word of the, 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 the word of knowledge, hallelujah, that you'll be able to see, not for your own benefit, not so that you can also go and brag, but that you can, you can see for the benefit of other people. You can receive that word for the benefit of other people. Others also receive the gift of faith. All of us have faith when we come to know the Lord. There is, a, there is faith by receiving the word of God. But there are those who have the supernatural gift of faith. And, and they, they rise up in so much boldness with that gift. Like one man that, that was noted for the gift of faith was Smith Wigglesworth. And, and according to history, they will call him that someone is dead. And he will come and he will lift the dead body and hit the body against the wall. And then the body will come back to life. Then he will walk away. I mean, this is, this is faith. I mean, how do you do that? Unless a certain gift is at work inside of you. Then others have the gifts of healings. God uses them to, to, as a minister for people and pray for people. The people begin to receive healing and sicknesses depart from their body. It is called what? The gift of healing. Then others have the gift of working of miracles. Working of miracles is how God, God I mean, does something that defies the law of nature. That, that naturally, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't, it, sh it shouldn't occur. But God does it like someone's leg is growing back. These are miracles. Like, like water turned into wine. It's a miracle. 
Like, I don't know, maybe one of these days at your party, we might pray and the water will turn into wine. <laughs> but, but, but these are miracles. And, and I, used to, I used to make this joke that I'm sure the reason why Mary told the people that whatever he says, do it. And at the time when there was a shortage of wine, is that I'm sure maybe Joseph and Mary at a point, maybe the cash had run low and they wanted some juice to chill. And then, like, Jesus, go and take some money and go and buy. Oh, mama, the money is finished. Hey. And father, Joseph wants to chill. Then, Jesus all of a sudden takes water and then he does his thing and then brings the wine and they drink it and Mary says, ah, this is the best. So I'm sure at that wedding, when there was a shortage of wine, he says, this boy has done it before. He can do it today. I mean, it is possible. It's, 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 because the Bible says the many things that Jesus did, they, they are not all written down. And that if they were written, the world cannot contain the books. That's what John wrote. So I'm sure this is one of those things that happened. Like toss water and then the wine. And Mary says this. So the, another prophecy, the gift of prophecy is to be able to speak into the future. To be able to tell what is about to happen. Or to be able to decree and declare something for it to happen. There another discerning of spirits. It's a, such a sweet gift. Discerning of spirits is, is to be able to tell the differences in spirits that are operating. And I thank God for that gift. I work in me. Like, I can even watch it television and then people are preaching. Someone is preaching. Straight away, I can know this one is, is from God. This one is not from God. Like, without, without all the gymnastics. You know, there are some who do the gymnastics and you can tell that this one is not from But there are some who are very polished and you can't tell unless you can see beyond what everyone else is seeing. It's called discernment of spirit. You can walk into a place and you can actually know that, nah, this, the atmosphere is not good. There's something here that is wrong. It's called discernment of spirit. Discernment of spirit. Then, another different kinds of tongues. There are some... Apart from the tongues that we all speak, that we all speak by virtue of being filled with the Holy Spirit, that you speak in tongues, there are those that have been given a gift of differences in tongues. And they speak these tongues, and there's a word that God wants out of that. So they speak their tongues, and then there's those, there are those who interpret, or the person might still have the same gift of interpretation. Now, in today's church, these things are missing. Because we have become very carnal. They are spiritual gifts, so they can be operated only when we are spiritual. I pray that God will restore this in the church. Amen. Shout a big amen. amen. When I was much younger, I mean, my parents, they could be having meetings and you hear someone best in different kinds of tongues and another person interpreting the different kinds of tongues. I, like, they, you could see spiritual gifts at work. But now, people of God, the entertaining church, we come and go. But this will be different in Kavod. Spiritual yeah. gifts will be at work in GTP Kavod Assembly. That, that an honorary member will be having the gift of healing and then pray for people and they'll be healed. And they'll say, this one, it is not the pastor. It is, it is a member who just came to church and God used the person. You know, I've always told you that this work is not about one man. Me, I don't want to be in the wheel. Like, like, why should I be the, the center of attraction when God can use many people to do it? And it makes life easier because I'll be sleeping in the night. You won't call me. And, and disturb me and say, Pastor, a demon is chasing me. Because you, you know what to do. You are growing in it. So God is using someone for miracles. God is using someone for healing. God is using someone for prophecy. God is, and the pastor is not envious. The pastor is not jealous. Because God is using all of us in different capacities for what he wants to do. May it happen in this church in Jesus' name. So when it comes to spiritual gifts... 
There are five things to note. Number one, it is given to every believer. It's not just for pastors or for some few selected people. God gives spiritual gifts to what? Every believer. You know, we've been made to think that it's only those who are in ministry that can operate in these gifts. Please, can I tell you that God gives them to every believer? Every believer, as long as the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have a spiritual gift. As long as the Spirit of God dwells in you, you have what? A spiritual gift. Number two, it is meant for the profit of everyone. So the gifts are not meant, these gifts are, are meant for everyone, not just for some people. So, so when the Bible says that it is meant for the profit of everyone, it means that whatever God has placed inside of you is supposed to be beneficial to people. So when you come, the gifts are to work so that people benefit. Number three, we are not all given the same gifts. God graces each of us differently. So, so what Andrews has is not what I have. What I have is not what Vicky has. What Vicky has is not what Ghania has. All of us have different gifts. All of us. We all can have the same thing. So you don't have to be jealous. Because yours is also good. Mine is also good. The fact that I might not be seen and prophesied does not mean my gift is not good. Hallelujah. Number four, it is the workings of the Holy Spirit in us. It is not our doing. The spiritual gifts are the workings of the Holy Spirit in us. It is actually God at work in us. Like for instance, last week Sunday, the way the service was, I didn't have anything to do with it. Me, if you open my eyes and close and open my eyes, I can't see anything about you. Unless God shows it. Unless God reveals it. Unless God tells me. Unless God works in it. So if it is not God, you, you can, I can go and sit there and close my eyes. Like tighten. God, I want to see. I won't see anything if God doesn't show anything to me. Please, please, are we getting it? I'm teaching this so you understand certain things. So, so the prophets will say, and, the, and then comes an ayem yefum ma. Like, <laughs> no, like, you, we don't manufacture it. <laughs> I don't even know how it happens. Like today, I would distribute. Today, I would distribute prophecies like nobody's business. Today, I will prophesy. Ah, you people, you shake from your seat. Where is that one coming from? I'm not the determinant. It is the Holy Spirit working through me, allowing the gift to be at work, so that you can experience His working, not my working. Number five, the Holy Spirit gives to us according to his will. He gives it because he wants to accomplish something. He doesn't give it according to our will. He gives it according to his will. So even if you desire it, he will still give it to you according to his will. Oh God, I really want to operate in this gift. God says, I'll still give it to you according to my will. Because of what I want to accomplish in your life life. And I've heard, let me say this, I've heard a lot of people say that, ah, come, and then I will impart into you, come, and I will, I don't, I don't dispute the fact that there's impartation. There's a place for impartation, that God allows it in scripture. But no single human being can just determine that I'm going to impart this gift in you. No. Even when I lay my hands and I pour all the oil on you, it is God who will determine whatever gift that he's going to release it to you. Hallelujah. Let's go to the final level of gifts, ministry gifts. And this is what we, we know in our day as fivefold ministry. Today, I want to teach us so that we can, we can get our minds free from a lot of things that have held us. Because if you want to serve God, you have to serve God with the right knowledge. 
So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles. So look at the, the, the verse 8. It says he gave gifts to men. Then the verse 11, it says he himself gave some to be what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. And it goes on and on. So he says that God has given gifts unto men. Then he says he gives some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists. So he says that these five ministries that we know, that we talk about, that people, I mean, cherish so much, they are actually gifts unto men. So me, I am a gift that God has given to you. And the reason why he has given, so the other day, I mean, I've read this passage until I hear the man of God trying to come from that angle. So I went back to study the scripture again. And I realized that it's true. God has dashed us to you. But don't abuse us. <laughs> God says that, Emmanuel, I've called you. And I've called you and your work is assigned to these people. You are a gift and you are a teacher to the people of God. So this is your gift. Go and serve the people with it. There are some who have been called as apostles. Apostles are simply called and sent out once. They have the grace to go out and establish things. Now today you see a lot of young people and then you see the posters and the banners around. Apostle this, apostle that, apostle. They haven't even established one thing. They are apostles. Hey, now when you get to 60 something, what will we call you? Most holy apostle. Because if you are 20 something and you started calling yourself apostle, then when you are 60 something, we'll call you what? Pope. No, people are too much interested in the titles when God is interested in the work. Now, if you understand that these things are not just, they are not titles, but they are actually responsibilities, then you will not just go around joking and say, call yourself apostle, call yourself, even to call yourself a pastor, you have to shudder to do that because it is a calling. It's not a title. It's not a title. There are some who have been called as prophets. They speak the mind of God concerning situations. They declare things and they happen. Not, not prophets who only prophesy on 31st December about things that bad things that will be happening to only people that are known. I'm not mentioning names. But prophets who can actually declare the mind of God and speak the mind of God. And you know, a real prophet actually speaks the word without, without doing any form of gymnastics. Just, just mere conversation. Even sometimes preaching and then just be prophesying. Just in the middle of a preaching, I see this. This and that is going to happen. That God says it shall happen and it happens. There are, there are prophets in the Bible that they declare things and it affects nations and it affects global people. Our prophets, it only affects individuals 
who, who can do something? No, no, no. That's not the kind of prophecy we are talking about. When God calls someone into the prophetic, even in the New Testament, you hardly hear of prophets, but you hear of a prophet like Agabus. And Agabus prophesies about famine that will happen in across the whole world. And it came to pass exactly according to his word. Agabus prophesied about Paul going to Jerusalem and being tied and being crucified. And it happened just as he prophesied. This is what we call sharpness of prophecy. Not the other ones. Then there are those who have been called evangelists. Their ministry, all of us are, are called to go out and preach the gospel. But these people, they are so passionate about souls. Put them in a church to pastor a church and they'll be frustrated. Put them on the field and they'll, be, they'll, they'll thrive. They'll win souls. They are just so passionate about souls. Then there are those who are called as pastors. Pastors are shepherds. They have a heart to take care of people. They love the flock. And they are always ready to feed the flock. They are pastors. They, their heart goes out for the people. One person that... So the fact that everyone leads a church does not mean they are pastors by this sense of the word pastors. We, we, we've only given ourselves the title pastors, like everyone that pastors a church is a pastor because it is expected that we all feed the flock. But, but we are all not pastors in the sense of the word pastors. One typical pastor is our senior pastor. Oh, man. The man loves people. He loves the flock. He's always there. Sometimes I think he's overdoing it. Like I think like they are, they are stressing him. We, we talk about, he's there. Walk into his office anytime, any, he's there for all of that. He's a pastor. But he's also an apostle because he establishes things. Then there are teachers, those that have the supernatural ability to break down the scriptures step by step, precept by precept. We all read the scriptures. We all don't see the same thing. Because those who have been given the grace as teachers, when they look at the scriptures, all of a sudden, the eyes are open to things that, like, ordinarily, you will not see. When I go into the scriptures, I begin to look at the scriptures, like, sometimes I, mean, I might even have read the scripture over and over, but when I start, once I start preparing a message, all of a sudden, that thing opens. Like, I begin to see things in the scripture, like, hey, hey, hey. This one is there. That one is there. It's, it's a grace. So there are five of these. And they all work together. The Bible says they work to, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So can I tell you, all that we do in church, and I want you to know that today, that all that we do, the first reason is to be able to build you up for the work of ministry. Whether I am a prophet or I'm an apostle or I'm an evangelist or I'm a pastor or I'm a teacher, all that we do is supposed to make sure that we build your capacity for the work of ministry so you can serve in the house of God. So the prophet is supposed to prophesy in a way that all the prophecies that come do not make you excited about your own life. They make you excited about the work of God. That you, you, you get so stirred up like, wow, so God can really think about me, then I want to serve God. The teacher must teach in a way that when you hear the word of God, you say, ah, I need to repent and I need to change. The evangelist, the pastor, the apostle, everyone is supposed to do this for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The second reason is for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we will build up the body of Christ. We will what? Build up the body of Christ. That is why in this church we are interested in building you up. Because one day, look, one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to present you before God. 
And when I present you before God, I should be able to say that, Lord, when they came in, they were like this. But at this time, I can present them as this. When they came in, they were in class one. But Lord, I'm presenting university graduates to you. Not physical university graduates, but spiritual university graduates. Masters and PhD holders. They'll say, ah, where are these people coming from? They are coming from GTP Kabod Assembly. Because they are fed with the word of God. They understand spiritual matters. They understand the things of God. They can flow in the things of God. One of the things that we want to do is to be able to train us so much that when you enter into the auditorium, you'll be so sharp and sensitive to the spirit of God. you know what to do in order to host the presence of God. You know that if I do this, it will take away the presence of God. If I do this, it will keep the presence of God. It is building your capacity, edifying the body of Christ. Part of edifying the body of Christ is that, baby, you can wake up in the night and then something, you, you slept in the night and something looked like it was chasing you. Then instead of picking your phone to call Pastor Iba, you wake up in the night and say, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I command this thing out of my life. And you go back to sleep and the next dream you have, you are chasing the thing and they are running away. It is building your capacity and edifying the body of Christ. That is our work. That's why I thank God that you people don't call me in the night. Praise God. Other pastors don't sleep. Sometimes I wonder, like, why my, my church members, they really love me so much. No, we are building your capacity so that you can deal with things by yourself. Because you see, if you tie your life to me as a pastor, you miss it. What if the day you are calling the pastor, the pastor himself is not well. What happens to you? You will die. But if you can rise up, your child is sick. This is part of our work. We build your capacity. Your child is sick. You lift your child up before God and say, Father, this child cannot live in this sickness. I rebuild this sickness in the name of Jesus because your capacity has been built. And your child gets well. You only call me and tell me that, Pastor Yima, my child is healed. I prayed for my child and God healed my child because your capacity has been built. That you go preaching outreach. And when you go out and then there's something happening to the person. You don't call Pastor Ima and say, Pastor Ima, please, there's something happening at this place. Or this person is. No, immediately you stand in the authority of the name of Jesus. Because you believe that the Bible says those who believe, when they lay hands on the sick, they recover. In my name they shall cast out. Did he say the pastors? No, did he say the, the evangelists? Did he say the teachers? Did he say the apostles? He says those who what? Believe. Do you believe? Yes, if I believe in my name, they shall cast out demons. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they recover. They shall drink any deadly thing and it shall not hurt them. Can I tell you something? That we are building your capacity as a believer. So that you can take authority in the name of Jesus. You know the reason why some people, some pastors delight in tying the people around. Okay, if there's something happening to you, come, 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 come. Come, I will pray with you with this oil and it shall be done. It's because people feel too much when I don't tie the people to me. I can't control them. I still can't have them. I don't, I don't have any interest in controlling you. My, my responsibilities are too much to come and tie you to myself. I want to free you so you can serve God the way God wants you to serve him. And if you can serve God and become the giant that God wants you, we'll have giant slayers in this house. Yes. And can you imagine a pastor that is pastoring giant slayers? There is a giant pastor. No, that, that's, the, that's the thing. That's why I'm not going to deceive you with blue oil, green oil, red oil, whatever, mantle, this, what, that. No, no, no. Look, we build your capacity. We build your capacity. Because 
you are here, but one day, the next time, you might find yourself outside the country schooling. And when you find yourself outside the country schooling, and then they give you a responsibility in your church, you should be able to execute it so much. They'll ask you, where are you coming from? Say, I'm coming from Kabod Assembly. Who is that pastor? No, no, no. I want to know because your capacity is too much for just an ordinary person. It's like, no, no, no. My capacity has been built. Because we are meant to equip the saints for the work of ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. And he says, this is the result that will follow. So we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What Paul is saying is that, look, there's a certain stature of the fullness of Christ. In fact, there are different levels of our faith. But if we can build you up, we all come to the unity of the faith where we can all believe the same thing. Where we can believe the same thing and where we can all grow to be like Christ. Can I tell you something? One of my objectives in this church is to present to you before Christ like Christ. When Christ sees you, he should see you and say, ah, you look like me, Papa. No, no, that is, that is actually the remark that Christ should see. And you know what? When the demons look at you, they should be able to see you looking like Christ. When they are coming to attack you, they say, this one looks too much like Christ. We can't go near. The fire is too much. That is what we want to build inside of you. Character like Christ. Power like Christ. I want to see that in our lives. Can I conclude today's message? So I'm summarizing in five points. That God through his grace has called us into service for him. God by his grace has endowed us with what we just need to serve him well. We have not all been given the same assignment in God's kingdom. Our service unto God is about his will, not our will. All that we have, we are, and will ever be, must be completely yielded to the service of God. Everything we are, everything that we have, everything that will ever be, must be what? completely yielded to the service of God. How many of you want God to use you? How many of you want God to use you? Some of you are not sure whether you want God to use you, but me, I said, God, use me. Ah, God, what? Use me. What, what, what other benefit can you get in life than God using you? Like God, God, the creator of the universe, using you. Like it's such a joy, such a delight. That you know what? Some of you might start with a natural gift, but God will be elevating you through the levels that you begin to operate in spiritual gifts. And before you realize, God has moved you into one of the, the ministries, one of the fivefold ministries. Like my wife says, she never, I mean, she, 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 she made this funny statement. You never told me that we will start a church. I said, I never knew myself. I never knew myself. But God moves us from one level to the other. And if you are faithful in the little, God will give you much. If you are faithful with your natural gift, you can see that God will use you in the spiritual gift. If you are faithful in the spiritual gift, God can easily elevate you into the ministry gift. Because to him that much is given, much is required. And the one who is faithful in little, he will be faithful in much. So if the little that God gives you, if you are working and working diligently with it, you will see yourself even doing greater things than what you are doing. And I pray that God will stir up in this church amazing gifts, great gifts, spiritual gifts, ministry gifts. We'll birth our people here. We'll do great and amazing and mighty works for God. 
ah, that it will, it will be like the, 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 in the days of the apostles where a deacon like Stephen or a deacon like Philip, they were not apostles, they were not pastors, they were deacons, they were serving tables. But the Bible says they were full of the Holy Spirit and they were full of faith. And these deacons could do miraculous things because they were full of faith. You don't need to stand before the pulpit to do great and mighty things. You just need to yield yourself and avail yourself and God will use you. That you can be a, a worship leader or a chorister, and when you stand there and you've availed yourself for God to use you, you can be singing and as you sing and sing, someone who has a bone problem will all of a sudden receive healing. No, no, I'm telling you, I have gone, I've gone to, I went to lead worship in a particular church, and I was playing the guitar and leading the worship. Immediately, I struck a chord, not knowing there was someone, an, an elderly woman with a back pain. When I struck the chord, so the next day, the pastor's wife sent me this message that she said that the woman said, when I struck the chord, just guitar, like I wasn't preaching and saying, God is about to move. There's something happening here. I just struck the chord. When I struck the chord, the woman said she had a crack in the bone. And all of a sudden, that pain was gone. If you yield yourself, it doesn't matter where you serve. God can use you to do mighty things, miraculous things. I have played the keyboard when I was at the headquarters. I, I, was, I was a keyboardist. I was playing the keyboard at one of our, our hour of opportunities. And I was the only instrumentalist. Then someone was coming from outside. The person, in fact, when I was playing the keyboard, I knew. Somewhere, somehow, I sensed that there was angelic assistance. I sensed that I was not the only one playing. I sensed there were angels playing with me. Then not knowing someone who was coming from outside, when the person had the instrument, the person thought there were so many instruments playing. The person says when he entered the auditorium, he saw me alone sitting on the stage. He was shocked. Because when he was coming from outside, he could hear so many instruments. So when the person came to tell me after the service, I said, that's it. That God can use you whatever capacity you are. If you yield yourself and if you avail yourself, God says, I'll work through you. Whether you are an instrumentalist, whether you are an usher, whether you are a steward, whether you are counting money. If, uh, in fact, those who even count money, you can be so spiritual and yielded to God that whilst you are counting money, the person who gave that offering, by the time you are counting the person's offering, you connect with the person and then you begin to hear something in your spirit about the person. Like God wants to use us in different dimensions. If only we can yield ourselves and surrender ourselves and break out of the mentality that it's only pastors, it's only apostles, it's only prophets. Like God says, I want to use you in the ordinary. If only you will yield yourself. That in your natural gift, that you can even be dancing. And just by your dancing, God can be ministering to someone. That you can just be singing. And by your singing, you can be ministering to someone. By poetry, just saying a point. God can use you to minister to someone.